If you're visiting with us, we're, we're been in a series called Connected, Hearing from God and Having the Courage uh, to Respond. And it's been a great journey for our church, not only to help us to hear better and to hear God better, but then to re- be able to respond to God in a, in a way that shows that we're really listening to Him. And as I've encouraged you to do over the last several weeks, if you've missed any in this series, then I would encourage you to go online, listen to these, because uh, this is the last in the series. And so today we're going to wrap this thing up. And my, my prayer is that it's been an encouragement to, your, to you and in your life, especially the things that we have done. I've had so many great emails each and every week from people who have it's just been touched by one aspect of what we've talked about or what we did even last week is as we symbolized that washing and cleansing in our life with the bowls of water and the towels and how many so many of you participated in that and I just had such a great response so let's get let's get started the last two weeks we began the process of understanding the types of promptings that God brings into our lives and the very first one that we looked at was the one Dave mentioned was the call to action. And in that, we looked at the story of Noah that's found in Genesis uh, chapter 6. And the main truth that we found during that uh, day was simply this. Noah lived out one aspect of faith that is hard to do, and that is to obey when you, when you don't understand and what's going on and to obey when things uh, just don't make sense. I mean, after all, it didn't make sense for Noah to build a boat in the desert where it never rained, and where he's 500 miles away from any water, and yet that's what he did. He obeyed, even though he didn't understand, even though it didn't make any sense, he obeyed. And so the question that came out of that was simply this, what's God asking you to build? What's God asking you to restore, to build in your life? Last week we looked at the second, which is referred to as a call of admonition, and Dave also mentioned that and how God used that in his life. This is God's way of letting us know what needs to change, what needs to be corrected in our behavior or attitudes. For that, we looked at uh, the life of King David that's found in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. And the main truth that we looked at was this. You will never experience forgiveness of sin, freedom from guilt, contentment, and inner peace until you allow Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection to pay the price for the sin that's separating you from God. I mean, we've, we've got to be able to do that. And so the question that came out of that was this, what admonition is God giving you in your life? What is it that needs to change? Is it attitudes, behaviors? Is it a sin that's taking you down? What needs to change in your life? What words of admonition has God given you? Let's pray today as we begin. Father, I thank you for this time. And just for these next few moments, God, open our hearts and minds to what you have for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The third prompting is simply this. I refer to this as words of assurance. Words of assurance. Now understand, God's assurance comes to us in many different ways, such as the assurance of hope, the assurance of of his presence, the assurance of peace, the assurance of his purpose. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could look at, but I really wanted to give Dave the time he needed And so because of that, I just want to focus on two different ways that God's assurance is brought into our lives. And to do that, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. The first one's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up and turn to 2 Kings 6. But let me set the stage for you. 
after the kingdom of Israel was divided into the southern and the northern kingdoms, into Judah and Israel, the prophet Elisha ministered in the northern kingdom. Syria, also known as Aram, was a relentless enemy of Israel and systematically conducted raids on Israeli territory. You see, the king of Israel was determined to capture or kill the king of Israel, whose name was Jehoram. So he set ambushes and he made raids to try to capture him. But God wasn't going to allow that to happen. I mean, he wasn't going to let that happen. And so he began to give prophetic insight about the king's plans to a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha would in turn warn the king of Israel. Now this literally just infuriated the king of Syria because he didn't know what was going on. All he knew was every time he tried to set up a raid to, to capture the king or to kill him, the king was never there. He didn't know what was going on. His first thought was, I've got a spy in my ranks. So he began to question his, his officers, and all of them began to come back with this one thing. It's not us, but it is a prophet of God by the name of Elisha. And Elisha, the prophet, is telling the king of Israel your very words. So when he found out that Elisha was in the town of Dothan, he sent his armies to capture Elisha. Now, Dothan was about 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It was near Megiddo. And this was Elisha's favorite place to go for retreat. So the king sent his armies by night, and they surrounded the town with soldiers and horsemen and chariots. They had the whole town surrounded. They had Elisha surrounded. Let's pick up the story, starting in verse 15. This is what we read. Elisha's servant got up early, and, and when he went out, he saw an army with horses and chariots all around the city. The servant said to Elisha, Oh, my master, what can we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. The army that fights for us is larger than the one against us. I want you to underline that. Either in your Bible, or in your bulletin, in your minds, but underline that. The army that fights for us is larger than the one against us. Then Elijah prayed, Lord, open my servant's eyes and let me see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the, mountains, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wouldn't it have been awesome to be there? It wouldn't have been awesome just to be able to see that and to experience that. Now, that... That opens up to us another way that God shows us his assurance, and it's this. It's the assurance of his protection and his provision. The assurance of his protection and his provision. Here's what I find interesting about this passage. That is this. We've got two different people who respond differently to the same set of circumstances. We have Elisha and we have his servant, and they're both there in the midst of the same circumstances, and that is they're surrounded by Syria's army. But the problem is this. The servant focused on the circumstances and on what he could physically see, while Elijah focused on the protection and the provision that he knew the Lord would provide. The servant saw through physical eyes, 
Elisha saw through spiritual eyes. And here's this thing. Like the servant, there are times in our lives when we just can't see what God is doing around us. We just can't see. I mean, we, we're focusing on the circumstance. We're focusing on what we're going through. We're focusing on the events of the day. We're seeing through physical eyes, and we, we, we just can't see what, what God is doing, how he's protecting, how he's providing. That's why when those tough times come, and we all know that they will, instead of focusing on the circumstance, we, we need to remember that we, we need to focus on God. Our focus needs to be on the Father. I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 46, starting in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. That's awesome, isn't it? God is our refuge and strength. Always, get this, always ready to help in times of trouble. So will we not, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect us. God is our refuge. God is our strength. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances of life turn out to be whether it's an earthquake or a tornado or a hurricane, whether it's a loss of job, loss of life. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of life are. When we turn to God, when we seek him as our refuge, he will provide the protection and the provision to get us through. So here's the question we need to ask ourselves today, and that's this. Who are we more like? I mean, who are you more like in your life? Elisha or his servant? Are you praying for God to open up your spiritual eyes so that you can finally see his protection and see all that he wants to provide? Or are you just focusing on your circumstances? Let me be real honest with you. Every one of us needs this assurance, don't we? We need the assurance of God's protection. We need the assurance of his, his provision. But here's the thing. How many of us have taken the time to just pray, God, open my spiritual eyes so that I can see what you are already doing. God, open my spiritual eyes so I can see what you are already doing. You're already protecting. You're already providing. But God, I'm not able to see because my eyes are focused on the circumstances. So God, help me to focus on you. Open my spiritual eyes. And when we do, we will be like that servant who now saw the armies of God instead of the armies of Syria. Second passage is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. But let me give you some background. This is the Apostle Paul, and back in, even starting in chapter 11, uh, Paul's dealing with some of the problems that's in the Corinthian church, one being that of the false teachers, and these false teachers like to really promote themselves. They, they like to build themselves up. To, they're very prideful and very proud of what they have done. And so Paul begins to basically say this. He basically says, look, if, if you want me to be proud and boastful, I can do that. I mean, I can do that, but the problem is that's not of God. That's not what God wants. I mean, after all, God's given me revelations 
God's given me these things in my life, but, but I don't have to boast in that. But I do boast in my weaknesses. I mean, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been left for dead. I've been, I've been beaten with rods. I've been beaten with a, the cat of 39 tails. I've had all these things. I understand that. But my, my pride and my boasting is not in what I have done. It's in what God is doing. But then he says this. He says, it hasn't been easy because I've got this thorn in the flesh. It's a messenger of Satan. And I don't like it. He said, in fact, I've prayed on three different occasions. I've begged God to remove this thorn from me. And then starting in verse 7, look what he says. Each time he said, this is God speaking back to Paul. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul discovered something that we all need to discover as well, and that is this. We also have the assurance of God's grace. You have the assurance of God's grace. You see, God's silence in removing Paul's thorn was just the motivation that Paul needed in order to seek and depend on God more fully and to trust him more completely. In other words, Paul knew that God's grace was enough to get him through the storms of life. And let me tell you, when things begin to go south in your life, and they will at times, sometimes farther south than we want. And when that happens, the assurance of God's grace is just the same for us as it was for Paul. And God will use these times, these struggles, these hardships, these bad circumstances, he will use these things as a magnet to draw us closer to him as we learn to trust more in his grace. You see, all of us have to get to the place in our walk with God where we realize that no matter what happens, whether it's sickness, and let me tell you, there's so much sickness. We prayed for Linda Clark as she came forward today as she faces uh, heart surgery. And you know what her really only request was? She said, I just pray that God allows me to see my granddaughter graduate. We won't pray for her. You see, even in sickness, my brother-in-law's cancer is getting worse. I found out last night, or two nights ago, that a very close friend of mine just uh, got diagnosed with acute leukemia. And it evidently is bad enough that when they called him after his bone marrow, his bone biopsy, they called him the next day, and they said, you need to be in the hospital tonight. We're calling to make arrangements. That's never a good sign. <laughs> You see, no matter what happens, whether it's sickness, whether it's death, whether it's the loss of job, whether it's divorce, or even persecution, no matter what happens, he will always give us the grace. He will always give us the strength to carry on if our eyes are focused on him and not everything around us. 
Here's what I believe. I believe it's in those times of weakness that we are brought to a crossroads. And I believe it's here at this crossroad that we can either continue to allow, to allow pride to rule our life, hoping that somehow we can find the strength to overcome. Or it's here at this crossroad that we will remove the pride, we will admit our weakness, we will accept the assurance of God's grace, and we will move forward, not in our strength, but we will move forward in His strength. So let me ask you, what are you trusting in today? What are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in your abilities? Are you trusting in your talents? Are you trusting in your strength? Or are you trusting in the strength that only comes from that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ? What are you trusting in? Let me be very honest with you. As long as you go through life on your own strength, you will never truly experience the grace that comes from allowing God to use you in spite of your weaknesses. This is what I love. God loves to amaze us. And he loves to amaze the world around us with his awesome power. God loves to amaze us. He loves to amaze the world with his awesome power. And you've seen it. I mean, I've seen it over the last 37 years of ministry. I've seen it time and time and time again when I visit somebody in a hospital or a family that's just lost a loved one and you're talking to them and you go there to encourage them and you leave more encouraged than when you got there. Why? Because they understand that their only strength comes from the grace of God in their life using their weaknesses to become strengths and God amazes those people around them with his power and his strength. You've seen it. I've seen it. You may have even experienced it in your life. But that's our God. And he loves to do that. Hebrews 4, starting verse 15 says, For our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then feel, feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There where we can see mercy and grace to help us when we need it. Do you need mercy today? Do you need his grace today? I'm sure a lot of you do. I do. Here's today's truth that I want to leave with you. This is so important to understand. The circumstances of our life doesn't change who God is. You get that? The circumstances of life doesn't change who God is. Whatever you have faced or are, are facing doesn't change the fact that God's still God. God is still God. And look what the scripture says. Descendants of Jacob, I am the Lord all-powerful and I never change. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 1 starting verse 10 we read, God also says, Lord, in the beginning you made the earth and your hands made the skies. They will be destroyed, but you will remain. They will all wear out like clothes. You will fold them like a coat. And like clothes, you will change them. But you never change. And your life will never end. 
And in chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. And this is a theme that is echoed throughout the scriptures. God continues to remind us that despite what we see from our earthly vantage point, what we see around us, what we see maybe in the future, we think, we've got to understand that he still has things under control. Had somebody go out and say, I am so thankful that you said that today because I've been so worried and so upset about this fall and about the elections. And as a military wife, what that might do to, to my husband and our future. And she said, I forget that God is still in control. I keep forgetting the fact that it's not about a person who sits in a chair at the White House, but it's a, about a person who sits on the throne in heaven. God is still God, and it doesn't matter what happens in this country or in this world. It will not change the fact that he is still in control and that he is still God. And never forget that fact. He hasn't promised that we wouldn't suffer. Suffering may be a part. Persecution may be a part of the next several years. We don't know that. But if it is, that doesn't change the fact that God is still God. And he is still in control. He knows us. He sees us. He cares for us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he'll watch over us and provide for all of our needs regardless of what happens to us. Let me be real honest with you. We can't afford to forget that truth. God is still God. He is still in control regardless of the circumstances of life. And the sooner we remember and embed that into our memories and our hearts, the sooner life will begin to make sense. So here's today's question that we need to wrestle with. And it's simply this. What words of assurance do you need the most today? What words of assurance do you need the most? I mean, for you right now, with what you're going through, is it his protection and provision? Is that what you need? I mean, maybe you've lost a job, maybe, or whatever, and, and you're just not sure about the future. You're not sure what's going to happen or how you're going to provide. Maybe that's what you need is that assurance that God's there. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you those things you need in your life when you just simply trust him with your life. Do you, do you need maybe this morning that assurance of his presence in your life. Remembering the fact that when you surrender and, and Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior, you get his spirit that lives inside of you. His presence is, is, is with you always. Always. Maybe you need his presence today or his peace or hope. Or maybe you need the assurance of his grace that even in your weaknesses, he will make you strong. Even in your weaknesses today, he will take those things and his power will be shown through those. And not only will you be amazed, but the world around you will be amazed because of his grace. So what do you need in your life today? Let's reflect. Thomas Hammerlein, better known as Thomas Akempis, who lived in the late 1300s and early to mid-1400s, spent 
the majority of his life writing one book. It's called The Imitation of Christ. This is what he wrote. I love this. Blessed is the soul who hears the Lord speaking within her, who receives the word of consolation from his lips. Blessed are the ears that catch the accents of divine whispering and pay no heed to the murmurings of this world. Blessed indeed are the ears that listen, not to the voice which sounds without, but to the truth which teaches within. Blessed are the eyes that are closed to exterior things and are fixed upon those which are interior. Blessed are they who penetrate inwardly, who try daily to prepare themselves more and more to understand mysteries. Blessed are they who long to give their time to God and who cut themselves off from the hindrances of the world. Consider these things, my soul, and close the door of your senses so that you can hear what the Lord your God speaks within you. Wow. So what do you need today? What assurance? Are you listening to the voice of God? Are you hearing him? Are you, are you responding to those promptings in your life today? Those things that, that God is directing in and leading in? I mean, what do you need? As we reflect, Adam's going to come and play, and, and as he does, my encouragement to you is this. If that's you, if you just need that reinforced assurance of God, then you come and we'll pray with you, and we'll encourage you today. Or we'll have somebody, we'll find somebody who will pray with you. But let's reflect. And as we do, I just pray that you'll come and, and just open your heart up to those things that God wants to work and do inside of you. Let's reflect.